And I think it's very effective because people with whom I interact and audiences with whom I interact, sometimes it can be several hundred at a time, I think mm-hmm. walk away with a different view of nursing. And they're always saying, especially those from other countries, I never knew that nurses could. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa Donato, And I'm Marion Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing a Penn Nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk with Dr. Holly Shaw. For almost 50 years, Dr. Shaw has been a nurse, advocate, and leader. Whether through her practice working with patients with bereavement, grief, and trauma in Cambodia, mentoring and educating students in New York, or her pioneering work at the United Nations, Dr. Shaw looks to pave the way for nurses to lead around the world. And by doing so, she's not only helping to elevate the profession of nursing, but is a shining example of all that nurses can do to improve health on a global scale. Dr. Shaw, Hello. thank you so much for the opportunity to talk with us today. It's my pleasure. I'm, I'm very much looking forward to this. So would you mind giving us an introduction? Oh, my goodness. Um, let's see. I'm um, a very passionate, committed nurse and nursing advocate and activist after I think it's um, nearly 50 years of nursing, really nonstop. And I began nursing at Boston University School of Nursing in 1965. I graduated in 69 and went on to uh, work as a visiting nurse and as a mental health nurse at um, McLean Hospital in Boston. I received an NIMH traineeship while I was in college, and so I pretty much knew that I would be committed to psychiatric mental health nursing. And several years later, I moved to New York and worked as a psychiatric nurse at Long Island Jewish Medical Center under the tutelage of Rachel Rotkovich, who was the director of nursing. I just had a very interesting conversation about her with with a colleague. And I went on to have very exciting and wonderful experiences professionally in many aspects of mental health nursing, as well as beginning a teaching career. So I received a master's degree as a clinical nurse specialist in psych mental health nursing. And I began to have some personal difficulties um, around the birth of my second child, who was my only daughter, and she died um, several weeks after birth. My next child was born uh, with some difficulties. I was struggling with premature labor, and he Mm. had a renal vein thrombosis that ended up in the ICU, in the NICU, for, for three months. And I needed to start to find work. My husband was a doctoral student at the time um, that had a very flexible schedule and, um, and, and was very different from a formal hospital role or even a formal teaching role. And I found a part-time job in adolescent medicine, which is a subspecialty of pediatrics, and that was very helpful because I didn't know anything about pediatrics. And part of that work was doing community-based work um, with around adolescents and high-risk behavior. And I began to venture out of the hospital and structured settings and develop some crisis intervention programs and many programs about adolescent health and risk. And I became really interested in that, uh, focusing on health and healing Uh, rather than pathology and disease. And eventually, I became specialized in bereavement and trauma. And so my work at the UN actually began um, around the time I had been traveling internationally, 
presenting mm-hmm. my work at conferences and as a consultant around adolescent loss and grief and trauma. And I was asked by the president of the International Society of Traumatic Stress Specialists. There are only a few nurses, among them the renowned Ann Burgess, um, mm-hmm. who was yeah. you know, just a, a, a star in uh, psych nursing. And yeah. I was asked to represent the society at the United Nations um, as part of the non-governmental organization activity there. Because of my young family, I really wasn't able to be in the city from Long Island every single week. But she asked me if I would kind of represent child and adolescent views and, and be there as often as I could without officially being the designated representative. So I began attending meetings and participating in global child and adolescent kinds of issues, um, the Convention on the Rights of the Child, Children in War, things like that. And eventually, um, many years later, I uh, became faculty at Adelphi University and represented them to the United Nations. But just prior to that, Carol Houston from Sigma Theta Tau International, as it was known then, and then Mm -hmm. Karen Marin, president, asked me if I would consider helping to establish a formal affiliation between Sigma and the United Nations. And Mm -hmm. I was delighted and used my experience in order to really pave the way as the first representative of of that affiliation. And Sigma, of course, is still enjoying that affiliation. And uh, without too much time, I became very active in the NGO community at the UN. And now I represent the International Council of Nurses and uh, also the Nightingale Initiative for Global Health. But several years into this, it takes a long time to really understand the complexity of the UN system as well as the jargon and and the process by which so many uh, decisions are made and activities are developed. And um, I became involved as an elected uh, official as the director on what then was the NGO DPI, Department of Public Information Executive Committee. And now I'm, again, a director on that committee um, representing the NGOs and uh, the Department of Global uh, Communication, and I'm the chair of the NGO Committee on Mental Health and the NGO Committee on Education, Learning, and Literacy, as well as many other activities within the UN. So I'm there very often, um, usually more than once a week. And Mm -hmm. my goal is really to pave a way for the voice of nursing and nurses within the UN system and within the global community, which is the the planet, really. That is quite an introduction. It's quite a life, actually. It's, It's quite a life. Let me start by asking, is your job at the UN different now than from when it originally started as just this sort of part-time position giving input? Well, it's still not a job. <laughs> it's not yeah. a paid position. But I'm, I, I certainly, I think that in the beginning, I was a participant and um, a receiver of lots of information. And then I would communicate that to colleagues And that was kind of the role of that level of representation. As Sigma, as we were able to achieve another level of representation um, that's called consultative status, I became more involved in consulting among colleagues and UN staff and officials and what we call UN entities like UNESCO and UNICEF and other organizations. And now as an elected leader, I'm able to help uh, develop programs and communicate information and represent nursing in a way that 
to me, truly amplifies the global voice of nursing, not only nursing within the United States or Northern Hemisphere. So I interact with high-level officials often, with ambassadors and high-level staff, with other organizations within the UN, like UNICEF and UNESCO, to develop programs and also communicate information, all the while working on special projects, but very much as a visible, vocal, competent nurse, so that while I'm identified as Dr. Shaw, I begin every interaction with people who don't know me or with you know public audiences um, emphasizing that I have a doctorate degree and I am a nurse and that yeah. every thing I do at the UN and elsewhere in my career, I, I still do a lot of consulting and teaching outside of the country, especially in lesser resourced places. But everything I do is really based on a nursing model. So what I do, I don't just do as a nurse because I'm a nurse, but I really um, have a strong foundation in nursing. I mm -hmm. see the world through the lens of nursing, and all of my interactions and interventions are based on nursing concepts, um, ideology, and values. So I have a different kind of input now than I did in the beginning where I was a receiver and communicator of information. Now I feel as though I'm able to um, develop <clears throat> some areas of excellence within the United Nations and programming in order to educate UN officials and NGO representatives as well as really promote health and well-being and the core professional values of nursing as designated by the AACN, altruism, autonomy, human dignity, social justice. So I integrate them really through the voice of nursing. So not so much as an individual, although I'm certainly identified that way, but always stressing that I, I'm only one among, you know, 20 yeah. some odd million nurses. And though we all differ in many ways, um, there are some very core values, uh, skills and experiences that we share. And so I approach things in that way. And I think it's very effective because people with whom I interact and audiences with whom I interact, sometimes it can be several hundred at a time, I think mm -hmm. walk away with a different view of nursing. And they're always saying, especially those from other countries, I never knew that nurses could, and it's kind of fill in the blanks, you know, could do a variety of things. Yeah. So do you feel like nurses have enough representation in on the global scale? In the UN? Yes. Representation? Oh, certainly not. I mean, there are very few... Uh, nursing NGOs um, among mm -hmm. the thousands that are represented at the UN. Uh, there are about 1,500 non-governmental organizations represented within the Department of Global Communication, and there are three or four of those 1,500 that are nurses, nursing organizations, and within the four or 5,000 in the Economic and Social Council, again, the same three or four nursing organizations. So that's certainly not. And my view um, is really that it sounds simplistic, but I really believe that if the goals of the UN are to be accomplished, world peace, harmony, um, interacting in a way that values the dignity and rights of every person, that nurses are in a wonderful position to promote and facilitate attaining those goals, and that we are um, in every way well positioned to provide leadership around complex decisions based on myriad factors like social determinants of health, and that nurses at the bedside or in academia or administration or community organizations all use similar processes in terms of assessment and um, 
evidence-based uh, information and mm. then making a plan and evaluating it. So to me, having nurses um, in leadership positions at the United Nations is kind of crucial to its mission. However, there are very, very few. And so part of my personal agenda is to try to help every nursing professional association across the world to affiliate formally with the UN so that they can have a voice as well as receive some of the resources and information to bring back to their communities. So I'm talking with the um, the Black Nurses Association, the American Indian Nursing Association, you know, all of those, American Psychiatric Nursing Association, all of mm -hmm. those professional associations that can affiliate on their own. And I just had the experience not too long ago of, of helping Sanciel, the Society of Nurse Scientists, Innovators, Entrepreneurs, and Leaders. I, I helped uh, develop a two-day program for their members and leadership at the United Nations, after which we went through the process of beginning affiliation, formal affiliation. And that's what I'm hoping to do with many nursing associations that can certainly meet the criteria. And whether they're in New York or Vienna or Geneva, where there are headquarters, or, or in other parts of the world, they can still participate as representatives of a non-governmental organization. And I think we can really make a very substantial difference in the United Nations system and, and throughout the world. So, Dr. Shaw, how do we get more nurses to be involved in the UN? Well, this is the challenge that I'm, that I'm working on now. Um, I think... I think my first uh, thought is to bring them to the UN because I think that um, often I say to New York or, or New England, North Atlantic nurses, when was the last time you were at the UN since fourth grade? Because in New York, very often schools make trips to the United Nations, but people don't go as organized groups or as adults or individuals. And Honestly, I, I, I spend so much time there. I've gone through hundreds and hundreds of tours, but as, as hokey as it sounds, there is not one time that I'm there that I'm not inspired and uh, kind of breathless at uh, the importance and the magnitude of what this organization can do for the world. So I think being there is, is wonderful and a wonderful opportunity for any citizen, but certainly for nurse citizens, um, to be able to participate in meetings and really appreciate um, the responsibilities, but certainly the opportunities. And so being there now, um, we can be there virtually or, or in person. And I organize a lot of nursing groups to come to the UN and I, I can organize a day of private tours and private briefings and really help them understand the, the, um, the principles of the UN and some of the important projects, particularly those that relate to nursing, although honestly, almost everything that the UN does, I think, is, is pertinent and relevant to nurses and nursing. Yeah. And um, but we can also facilitate virtual tours and tuning into important meetings um, through the internet, through web TV. The UN has its own radio and communication uh, video communication system where many meetings are live streamed and also archived so that they can be interest, you know, exposed to some of them, and also by joining some of the committees, the substantive committees that are part of um, the Economic and Social Council. So that's, I think, for individuals and, and small organizations who come to the UN and they're forever touched. I mean, they really become activated, you know, once they have that experience. I think for organizations, what, what I'm most passionate about is having them 
go through the affiliation process, which can be somewhat cumbersome, but definitely achievable, so that uh-huh. the organization can achieve affiliation and thereby um, be able to participate in many programs, be able to participate consultation or input into many programs and and issues and can send representatives, again, in person or virtually, to any of these activities and events so that organizations can, once they achieve affiliation, can have, um, I think it's six passes to attend UN events and activities, and uh, that includes two youth passes for young people um, up to age 34 because we're trying to build a very robust um, youth voice at the UN, um, assuming that they're not the leaders of tomorrow, but leaders of today, and that it's important for them to become involved. So there are several ways, although it's still you know somewhat new and cumbersome, for mm-hmm. individual nurses um, and as well as nursing organizations to become involved in the UN system. So would it be easier in, say, a nurse is interested in in following this this line, would it be a better thing to do to join one of the organizations that are already involved in the UN? Well, the, the organizations that are involved are ICN, the International Council of Nurses, which is what I represent the but ICN is a confederation of 135 national nursing associations throughout the world um, so that the members of ICN are not individuals but nursing associations. Sigma is another um, NGO, and you have to be a member of Sigma, and that, you know, meets eligibility requirements and participants really have to um, become involved through the SIGMA system, um, okay. as is there are a couple of other uh, nursing organizations. However, I think that for those people who are involved in professional associations like the American Psychiatric Nurses Association, I mean, that's closest to my heart, but, you know, school nurses, nephrology nurses, every specialty of nursing has an organization that is non-governmental in nature, which means NGO, that's also Mm -hmm. usually not-for-profit. And I think the most effective way to become involved is to organize that organization or association to apply for um, affiliation with the UN and then become involved within the system. Because the UN is really... Um, an organization made up of constituencies, of countries. The General Assembly is made up not of individual leaders, but of member states. And the states or countries, um, leaders who they designate to be representatives, you know, ambassadors and ambassadorial staff, um, as well as other organizations. So it's not really, you know... uh, an individual can't really walk in off the street and say, I'd like to be involved as a volunteer. There is a volunteer system within the UN. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think that um, engaging organizations in efforts to become officially affiliated is really a very positive route. There are some other volunteer opportunities through um, the UNA USA, which is the United Nations Association's, and that's for, you know, just citizens who are interested in supporting the United Nations. But I'm primarily interested in generating a nursing voice at the at the UN of nursing individuals and, and organizations, you know, and the individuals who represent them. And I think that over time, if we can manage to facilitate that affiliation, I think we'll have a very, very strong impact. Um, and again, amplify the voice of nursing worldwide. Because when I meet with ambassadors from other countries, um, as a nurse leader and activist here, I, 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 I make it a point to try to amplify the voice of nursing 
in that person's country. And so I call their attention to nursing activities going on in, in their country or nursing issues. And, you know, I'm, I'm very privileged to be able to be involved in some of those countries. Like, I'm spending a lot of time in, in Cambodia. I've been to Uganda. I do a lot of um, traveling to the Middle East and have brought uh, Jean Watson, you know, the wonderful theorist and activist, is involved in, in a group called Nurses of the Middle East, and we have a conference every year. It will be January 30th to February 1st this year mm-hmm. um, in Aqaba, Jordan. And I brought the leadership of that group to the UN to present there because, to me, uh, Arab and Israeli nurses are the models of what the UN should and could be doing. Um, so we're it's so interesting that we're spreading the goals of the UN through the lens and voice of nurses and I think that's really important. Can you talk a little bit about why you think the Israeli and Arab nurses are are at the forefront? Well, there I can put you in touch with them. They're so eloquent and articulate and and really passionate. Um they they Several years ago, and I'm not sure how many, um, nurses from Hadassah Hospital uh, and Hebrew Medical Center um, in in Karim were, uh, they often have patients who are brought to Hadassah Hospital Medical Center is a very um, uh, astonishing institution, and they have a great deal of expertise. So very often... Patients from a local hospital are both in Israel and, uh, you know, other areas are brought to uh, especially this hospital. There are many excellent hospitals in Israel. And they found Mm -hmm. when they were discharging a patient, the way we would discharge a patient in discharge planning, you want to make referrals to a visiting nurse service or, you know, whatever resources the patient will need. They found that there was no mechanism to do that for an Arab patient living in um, some of the territories. There were no formal um, referral sources or or processes or mechanisms, and so they painstakingly began to develop them. And now there is a core group. They meet monthly. Um, uh, They have a lot of expertise, and they tackle very complex problems and issues sometimes at their own personal and professional peril because they all have very strong political views of their own. It's not like they're, you know, kind of a lukewarm Kumbaya group. Um, they, they feel strongly about their own communities and, and the issues that are relevant there. However, as nurses always are able to do, they transcend those in the service of patient care so that in the hospital itself, there are um, all the signs are in Hebrew, English, and Arabic. There are about 25% Arab nurses in Hadassah Hospital, um, which is in Israel. But nurses uh, are really able to transcend their own views to serve the needs of, of their community and their patients. So... But not everybody supports that, so that people on either side um, feel that they shouldn't be communicating with the enemy. And, um, you know, although the communication is, is not around peace negotiations, but areas of patient care, right. um, it, it's, it's, a ve- it's a very challenging um, position for all of them. But they do it so nobly and aspirationally serving the needs of patients on either side. And so um, their ability to do that and to deal with the complexities, you know, of all that that takes, even given their own strong personal feelings, I think is exemplary and inspiring. And when you hear them speak, you would say, yes, they should They should be here all the time. Um, yeah. And I'm trying to get them to come back. I, even... The way they present, which is not not one do one half and the other, but kind of they 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 interact throughout the presentation and 
create not two presentations on the same issue, but a whole, you know, one whole in a holistic, a real holistic way that's so meaningful and, and really truly inspiring. So I would love to be able to have them come back and play a more major role at the UN. But, and, we, you know, we have all kinds of activities coming up because I think that they are um, certainly highly celebrated by, by many of us and, and the poignancy of the Middle East is something um, that, you know, contemporary citizens all over the world are aware of. But I think there are, you know, I'm aware of nurses doing these really remarkable um, kinds of, um, of work and services around the world that are very much nursing based and you know they just say uh, we're doing our job you know this is what we're supposed to be doing um so i think that they're yeah. exemplary for sure but there are so many more uh committed productive change agent nurses who i would love to share with the world because as i said they they are in- inspiring and they uh, demonstrate the principle that you don't have to sacrifice your own personal beliefs or values um, right you can maintain them but transcend them when it comes to areas of, of patient care and collaboration. The UN is honoring nurses and midwives this year by by naming 2020 the year of the nurse and midwife. Al, yes. has that ever happened before? And um, no. are, are you looking forward to what's going to happen this upcoming year? Well, I have goosebumps, as you mentioned it. I'm so corny. Um, This has never happened. And I think that, you know, many of my colleagues and I feel that the role of of nurses has not been highly supported even by the World Health Organization. And and that's who's taking the lead in in this year of the nurse and midwife um, Mm -hmm. is WHO. So it's never been done before. And Personally, I think Judith Shamian, who was the immediate past president of ICN, had a lot to do with really bringing um, the the status and voice of of nurses and nursing to the world front, and um, and really making us known to WHO as well as um, global health leaders. And it's it's very exciting. You know, we're hoping that this is not just going to be a day of a year and then that's that, but that it really will um, amplify the voice and the role of, of nurses and also accomplish some of the goals of ICN of nursing now. Our royal patron is Kate Middleton, and she has talked about her own personal connection with nursing, which is very real and personal, and um, that in order to meet the shortfall of nurses by, I think it's 2 million by 2030 and many million by by 2050, um, that, that we have to do more in terms of recruitment and letting people know the remarkable work that we do and the challenging and gratifying career. So that's one aspect. The other will be being able to leverage our power and goodwill in terms of in the U.S. always um, the first profession, uh, according to the Gallup poll that Americans um, trust and in many other parts of the world, they have similar feelings. So leveraging that goodwill and some of the power we have in order to accomplish values like universal health care um, and primary health care, universal coverage and, and primary health care um, as a way to really create a healthier world. And some of our colleagues who are especially inspirational for me are nurse activists in the area of planetary health or the climate crisis. The -hmm. Alliance of Nurses for Healthy Environments and he are doing remarkable work. Um, And they're, um, I think, real exemplars of best practices 
as citizens, but also as nurses and health professionals. So we're going to try to maximize this year um, some of you know these aspects of a nurse scientists and innovators and uh, and activists. And I was just in a meeting last week. We're hoping April seventh is World Health Day. And that's going to be the launch of the first ever report on the world's nursing. And we're hoping to have some really exciting activities at the UN, um, both informational in terms of a major briefing and celebratory uh, in terms of having a real celebration of the year of the nurse and the midwife. So it's, it's very exciting unprecedented and we're hoping that it will touch the lives of of many nurses and and again for those who can't get to New York City we're hoping that there are activities in communities I just gave um, a presentation at the Maimonides Medical Center research conference last week and talked about on either International Nursing Day or World Health Day or any other day having hospitals and community health agencies conduct or sponsor programs about the sustainable development goals, which we're aspiring to now um, mm. in, in Agenda uh, 2030. And every person can be involved in, in achieving these goals, and every group or organization can devote some energy and resources towards education and and promoting these goals there are 17 with 169 targets and having hospitals or or community health agencies focus on one SDG or all SDGs or the way nurses in their institution are um, working towards SDGs or uh, ideas that um, that citizens can employ, whether they're in small groups like PTAs or faith-based organizations or block associations or just families and individuals can contribute mm-hmm. to this endeavor because the slogan is no one left behind. And we really believe that this is the work for everyone on the planet to make sure that we have not only higher levels of well-being, but continued life and well-being on the planet, mm-hmm. so it, it it doesn't one doesn't have to be at the UN. Um, it's exciting and meaningful and wonderful, but there are many ways to participate less directly um, that I think are really important. It sounds like there are so many fascinating and really important initiatives that you seem to be a part of. Is there are there any that we haven't spoken about that really excite you? Oh. Uh, lots. I mean, you know, both at the UN and and outside. At the UN, one of the projects that we're working on that's very unique because um, most projects at the UN are either general assembly or member state driven or NGO driven or entity driven, like UNESCO and and UNICEF. And mm-hmm. The one one that I've been involved in for several years and feel really honored to be a part of is Education for Global Citizenship. And it's a joint endeavor um, with UNICEF, UNESCO, member states in terms of ambassadors, um, NGOs, both from the Department of Global Communication and also the Economic and Social Council. And it's an endeavor that we've been working very hard towards, which is to promote the notion of education for global citizenship as one of the the ambassadors who's helped develop this concept, Ambassador Han from Korea, looks at it as really an antidote for uh, violent terrorism and extremism. It's a kind of values-based curriculum that focuses mm-hmm. on well-being and dignity for all people all over. Um, and it, it's something that we've been working very hard on to educate the UN community. We uh, went from having 15 member states to now I think we have about 75 
um, who are in what they call a group of friends, as well as many NGOs. And that's an ongoing process. We're hoping to bring a resolution to the UN floor soon um, to have an international day of education for global citizenship um, when we'll really be able to talk about the program and the resources. But we're doing all of this ongoing work. Um, the Committee on NGO Committee on Mental Health is very involved in reducing stigma, and we just had, an, as well as promoting mental health, we just had a um, an award ceremony where we awarded Werner Obermeyer from the WHO. He's the executive director of WHO, who developed an NGO called Commit to Kind that promotes kind activities um, in response to someone who is being bullied in their school. We've honored Peter Yarrow um, from Peter, Paul, and Mary, and uh, other scholars and dignitaries. Um, we're, we're trying to work with the royal family who are very interested in promoting mental health, and so we're really working on um, some global activities. So at the UN, there are lots of things going on. Um, there are also committees on aging, on HIV, AIDS, on health. And I, I, you know, my goal is to have nurses involved in all of those committees. My own personal work, I, I have a, a private practice in trauma and crisis and bereavement, but I'm very excited about collaboration that I'm involved in in Cambodia. I usually go about twice a year mm -hmm. and the Middle East um, in terms of interesting global um, nursing and global health activities in those parts of the world and working with ICN around several issues, but especially around advanced practice issues in many parts of the world. And the goal, mm -hmm. where Judith Shamian led the way to, to begin a series of collaborations with executives in the World Bank and focusing on primarily education for nurses and advanced practice nurses, as well as philanthropic activities. The Girls Child Education Fund is something that's very dear to my heart that supports the orphaned daughters of nurses who have died from AIDS, taking care of AIDS and Ebola patients in about five countries in Africa. And so ordinarily those daughters would be pulled from school and have to assume the responsibilities of the mother or the caregiver. Oh, wow. And this project that's sponsored by ICN and the Florence Nightingale Foundation um, provides an income for the family so they can get on without the girl dropping out of school provides for, because they've lost the mother, the nurse's income, they provide yeah. tuition all the way from elementary school through college. And they provide a mentor for the family, the father and the family, um, to support them through the crisis and to me, this is very much like the evidence-based program, um, the old study that looks at the difference nursing intervention makes just in supporting a family with an additional visit. It's, mm -hmm. it's an old, classic, wonderful study. But um, so the, the, there are just so many activities um, that are that are so exciting for nurses and for nursing now and just require a little push to um, do more than just your job. And and I think that there's great value in that, that burnout doesn't come from working hard or working long. It comes from not feeling satisfied about the work that you do. So my mantra is not do less, you know, and, and we're all kind of, under great pressure to do more with less. But right. I think that for me, doing all of this extra, even as a volunteer, from an altruistic mm -hmm. viewpoint, is enormously energizing and kind of life-sustaining rather than draining. So I encourage my students, because I, I'm still a professor also, 
mm-hmm. to really not look for easy ways out, but to always look for opportunities to be of service. And I, I emphasize that you don't have to be an expert to be of service. And being of service, I can explain the neurobiologic benefits or neurochemical benefits of, of altruism. Um, but certainly, you know, it, the feeling that one gets is kind of self-explanatory. But it's kind of nice to know that we, we have some knowledge in the neurochemistry of, of altruism. It's made a lot of sense to me in understanding some of my own sources of passion and energy and commitment. But I think it's right. a great. It, it, the, the world is in trouble. The planet is in trouble. But it's a great time for a contribution for everybody, but especially for nurses, not not only well-established expert nurses, but student nurses, novice nurses, you know, any of us who have even the most basic skills in assessment and planning and intervention and evaluation, and then are guided by the, the passion to provide service for others. Well, and it's Dr. nice Shaw. to be able to to have that kind of validation from each other. You know, I I often say that one of the things I like best about nursing um, is nurses. And I think that when when you move, you know, towards advocacy and and activism, you end up surrounding yourself with the best people um, in the world. And that's a it's a wonderful feeling to be with, you know, really like minded um, people in terms of values and goals and 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 worldview. I agree. And I think that's fantastic advice for um, a nurse in any stage of her career, but especially to mm-hmm. like, students and, and new nurses coming in to be able to ward off the burnout and, and the frustration that comes sometimes with, with our profession. Right. It, it's so important because people have this notion that it's about hard work and we we always work hard it doesn't it doesn't hurt us you know it's not right. it's not working hard and and so i you know i i feel very strongly starting your career um with a positive viewpoint and i i look at most of what i do as burnout prevention because people are always asking me Dr. Shaw, you've been a nurse for so long and you're the most unburnt out and you know i travel to some very high risk places i do work with former child soldiers uh, in, in Uganda and, and people who have been so touched by enormous political strife and, and tragedy and adversity. My whole career has been focused on that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not, uh, you know, that never leads to burnout. In fact, it, it gives me a certain reverence uh, for humanity and for the needs and suffering of people and the way that nurses can alleviate that and make a difference. And that feeling of making a difference is euphoric. It's so important. And I think every nurse needs to find their way of doing that, uh, sometimes through work and sometimes through other uh, endeavors. Well, Dr. Shaw, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. We really, really appreciate it. This was a fantastic discussion and it's extremely inspiring. My pleasure. I've really enjoyed it. And I, I always look for opportunities to kind of spread this word so that other nurses will be inspired and uh, encouraged to, to be involved and to be um, organizers within their own associations to affiliate with the United Nations and, and to be involved in humanitarian endeavors around the globe. Even for a weekend, for a week, you don't have to join the Peace Corps, but it really enhances our own lives, I think. Um, Well, again, thank you so much for for taking the time to speak with us. My pleasure. Thank you for involving me, and good luck in all of your endeavors. Hello, Marion. Hey, Angela. How's it going? It's amazing. How are you? Great. So we had a conversation with Dr. Holly Shaw who is incredibly inspiring, a ball of energy, and for the last almost 50 years has been doing nothing but supporting and promoting nursing globally. 
Yeah, the work that she's doing with the United Nations is really inspiring to hear about and inspiring to see. So I was fortunate enough to go to the UN um, thanks to Dr. Holly Shaw and her work with Sun Ciel that she mentions in this episode um, earlier last year. And she's right. It is such an energizing experience. And when I went there, you know, you see all these iconic rooms, right, where all all the work takes place, and you see those on the news and on in movies, and then you see the work that she's doing as a nurse, sitting on these committees, sitting in on these meetings, making an impact locally and globally, like she said, through the lens of a nurse. Like, she's an individual, but everything she does is from her standpoint as a nurse. And it's really so inspiring to see. It really is. I feel like it is so important for nurses to understand the impact that they can have. And I feel like she embodies that in all the work that she does. For sure. And, you know, there's only a small handful of nurses in all of the UN work that's going on. And she's really trying to promote the work that nurses do and encourage more nurses to get involved. Um, you know, she mentions that it's really um, a great time for nurses to think about the service that they're doing. And even if it's volunteer work, they, you know, we have so much skills and knowledge and experience, and we bring so much to the health and welfare of the world, and our voices need to be heard, and they need to be heard in a way that will promote that uh, again, globally and even locally. And the UN really allows for that to take place. Yeah. So I also just wanted to mention in this interview, I mistakenly attributed the year of the nurse and midwife to the UN and not to the World Health Organization, who actually is promoting it. But she corrected me right away, but I just wanted to make a mention of it. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing, with special thanks to our Department of Information Technology Services for their assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through.